Hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm Kit. Welcome to Starry Time, where stars plus lines equal stories. For this month, we'll be exploring the constellation Orion, the hunter. This week's episode will be focused on the astronomy and other cosmic background of this constellation. The constellation Orion is named after a mythological hunter in Greek mythology, who we will discuss in great detail in next week's episode. Given its link to Greek myth, it's probably not a surprise that Orion was one of Ptolemy's great forty-eight constellations in the Almagest. Orion is a recognizable, and according to some, the world's most recognizable constellation, even though it's relatively mid-sized constellation at about 594 square degrees. In other words, it is in fact much smaller than Virgo and Hercules, Aquarius, Ophiuchus, Leo, Pisces, Sagittarius, Taurus, Andromeda, and even Cassiopeia, who we've all explored in prior episodes. It actually ranks 26th out of the IAU recognized constellations in terms of size, and it's just a few square degrees smaller than Cassiopeia, and a few square degrees larger than our good friend King Cepheus. All right, Kit, what were your first impressions of this constellation from the IAU constellation chart? Well, this one looks like a stick figure. It's got its arm up, it's got a bow, it has a big belt, got a sword. So yeah, why not Orion? This one, this one, um, yeah, worked for me. How about for you? What did you see? I think there's definitely a reason why it is the world's most recognizable <laughs> constellation. Stick figure, person with a bow. 100% if all the constellations were this good, um, they'd probably be a lot more popular and we'd, uh, you know, be able to see them all instantaneously. But no, this one definitely is head and shoulders, pun intended. Get it? Um, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, above the rest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if the constellations looked more like what they said they were, we wouldn't need this segment, which would be sad. So we'll be happy about it. But I do think this one is definitely the most human looking constellation we've had probably since, you know, Gemini and the stick figures of Gemini. Yeah, those I think I agree with you have been the most recognizable so far. Orion is visible between positive 85 and negative 75 latitudes. It is often high in the night sky in the northern hemisphere in January, making that a great time to go out and find it. Oh, I definitely have memories of walking our childhood dog, <laughs> shout out mischief, in the winter, having a chat with Orion. Uh, you know, it really reminded me of um, Dr. Moya McTeer's uh, Milky Way book, the very beginning of that book, which I've recommended a bunch. Um, she talks about talking to constellations and I was like right there with you. Uh, so yeah, Orion's definitely one of my favorite constellations. It definitely makes me feel very at home when I see it. It sort of brings, it's very comforting to me. Definitely. This one reminds me of January winter mm -hmm. nights, walking out, seeing, be being able to see your breath mm -hmm. and just being like, wow, we are so small. Even though it is relatively easy to find, if you want to get technical, the right extension is five hours and the declination is positive five degrees. Fives all around. Five, 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 fives, yeah. <laughs> so now we know what this constellation looks like and where to find it, but which of the seven main stars is the brightest and has Bayer been able to redeem himself? Well, Kit. Let me start off by saying that Orion contains two of the brightest stars in the entire night sky. 
and in total it has eight stars that are brighter than magnitude 3.0. So Bayer has some bright ones that he'll need to distinguish between in this constellation, it sounds like. Right. And because of that, I am sorry to report that our good friend Johan Bayer has to collect an L for this one. <laughs> as the brightest star in this constellation is Beta Orionis, probably more commonly known as Rigel. Oh, Bayer was doing so well until the most recent constellations. You know, too bad, so sad, uh, bummer. He was really on a roll, but like you said, mm -hmm. there's a lot of bright objects here. Mm -hmm. He got close with Beta, but you know, an L is an L. Mm -hmm. Rigel is the sixth brightest star in the night sky. It is a B-type blue supergiant that is found in the left foot of the constellation. And uh, for spoilers, we'll talk a little bit about the right foot in the next segment. At 860 light years from the sun, Rigel has a visible magnitude that ranges between 0.05 to 0.18. Which means it is pretty bright. Super, super bright. Maybe the first star we've talked about that is even close to zero. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it is important to remind folks that the scale goes negative. So our sun has a negative 26.74 uh, visible magnitude from Earth. So it is a, it's a big scale. It's all relative. Literally relative. Literally. <laughs> but to be fair, Rigel is a lot further away than our mm -hmm. sun. Rigel is actually part of a multiple star system with at least four stars, though you'll need a telescope to tell some of them apart. The largest of these stars is considerably hotter and more luminous than our sun. Rigel is estimated to be between 7 and 9 million years old and will likely end its life in a supernova that would be bright enough to be seen from Earth. You know, should anybody still be here in a few million years? <laughs> I mean, the pre-order will be available soon. Before we get to Bayer's variable star, let's do a brief shout out to the other really, really, really bright stars in Orion. Ready, Kit? I'm ready. First, we got Alpha Orionis, aka Betelgeuse, hmm. which is the right shoulder of Orion and is a variable star that is between the 10th and 23rd brightest star in the whole sky with a visible magnitude between 0.0 .0 and positive 1.6. A side note here, uh, Betelgeuse will also likely go supernova in the next 100,000 years, creating, again, a very super, super bright event that we'll be able to see from Earth. I mean, if you can't get tickets to Betelgeuse, <laughs> you're going to have to wait a long time. So hopefully you can get it on the Betelgeuse supernova 100,000 years from now. Um, enjoy it, because the next one's not coming around for another few million years. <laughs> The next brightest star, Gamma Orionis, is also known as Bellatrix. It is the left shoulder of Orion and is another variable star that is usually defined as the 25th brightest star in the night sky, with a visible magnitude between positive 1.59 and positive 1.65. All I can really say is these stars have really good names. Agreed. Excellent names. Extremely bright stars. Orion... Mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> so those are the brightest stars in the constellation. Now let's move into our next segment, Bayer's Variable Star, where we follow the Greek alphabet to learn more about the Bayer-designated stars in the night sky. So we've made it to Kappa Orionis, which is the other foot of Orion. The left foot of Orion. The Orion hokey pokey is underway. <laughs> 
Right. So Kappa Orionis is also called safe after an Arabic phrase meaning sword or safe of the giant. Yeah, it could either be a left foot or, or a sword. Sure. <laughs> Not at all confusing. Well, I do think it's it makes more sense when you contextualize it. So it used to be the case that safe was only used to describe Ada Orionis, which is, of course, the actual sword of Orion. But in 2016, the IAU's working group assigned this name to Kappa instead. Ooh, the IAU still making moves to this day. Still getting updated. Guess so. So Saif is a another blue-white supergiant in this constellation. It is hotter, but less luminous than Rigel. It has a visible magnitude of 2.09, and it's relatively young at about 11 million years. It's like a little baby star. It's not even as old as like whales. It's just 11 million years old. Yes, a, a little baby star that will go supernova at the end of its life. Lots of supernovae to come. Yeah, definitely. I think probably the most interesting thing, though, that I learned about this star was about its stellar winds, which are causing it to lose the equivalent mass of our sun every 1.1 million years. To be fair, I'm glad it's happening to safe rather than our own sun, <laughs> as that would cause considerable problems. Yeah, um, smaller mass stars like our sun have much less powerful stellar winds, which of course on the sun we call solar winds. By contrast, our sun loses the mass of Earth every 150 million years and only lost, you know, some 0.01% of its mass since formation due to solar wind. And the mass of the sun is 333,000 times the mass of the Earth. So comparatively, the sun is losing a lot, a lot, a lot less mass mm -hmm. due to these winds than SAFE. Exactly, yeah. And so that's all I have on SAFE. Uh, not much more to say, I don't think. Very windy. <laughs> and it is losing mass rapidly, a little baby star that won't live long and blow up quick. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Let's take a quick break and then return for Gold Star. Welcome back. This segment is called Gold Star. In this segment, we alternate picking the star or space object in our constellation of the month that captures our minds, our hearts, and our very souls. So, Jordan, what was your illustrious pick this month? This was a tough month. Mm. Like we said, this is a very popular constellation, and it does have a number of extremely beautiful and popular deep sky objects and nebulae within it, <laughs> such as the Horsehead Nebula and the Flame Nebula. Most of these nebulae in this constellation are part of the Orion Molecular Cloud Complex which is a formation of two giant molecular clouds where active star formation is currently happening. Yeah, so in fact, this area is one of the most active star-forming regions of the night sky, and it's located a mere 1,500 light years away. Pretty close stellar nursery by galactic standards. I mean, the diameter of the Milky Way is, what, about 100,000 light years across? So yeah, 1,500 is really not that far. Really not that far. All right, so I did think about cheating here and just listing the entire complex, but then I realized something very important. Uh-huh. Space gym. <laughs> Space gym forever. 
Space Jam Forever, yes. <laughs> All right, so what is Space Jam? Kit has a deep dive about this project on our Tumblr. Oh, our Tumblr is a little bit defunct, but but the, the old posts are up there. And do you want to give people a quick summary of what the Space Jam project was? Sure. So um, some of you might be familiar with the JPL NASA posters. And if you are not familiar with these, Google them immediately because they are so cool. Uh, so JPL NASA posters, they're awesome. I wanted to put them up in our living room in our house because we had moved. And my partner, Bob, was like, that's a lot. So after much hemming and hawing, we decided to, well, we, I decided that I wanted to make over our basement home gym into a space gym where I could put up these JPL NASA posters. But then, you know, things, <laughs> I don't know, got out of hand. I got very excited. Uh, I decided, yes, the posters are indeed in space gym, but I also decided that we needed a whole wall mural, uh, a space mural. And um, I painted it with with Jordan's help uh, when she came to visit last holiday season. I mean, Jordan's help is a, <laughs> is a very kind way of putting it, but I did watch Space Gym take off. <laughs> I saw the beginning stages of it, the conceptualization, and it was beautiful. Of course, it's going to be the contender, the number one contender for Gold Star of the Month, and I'll tell you more why. Uh, but one note first, um, and I think this is important. I have no training in painting. <laughs> this was my first attempt at painting anything. Not just like, oh, painting something of this scale, which is difficult. Um, it came out pretty good, to be honest. Uh, I feel good about it. And you can you can see the Tumblr pictures. But anyways, sorry. Can't, I think it on. came out beautifully. Yeah, it was much better. And I also have no formal or informal painting and tried to help with this project. Let's just say Kit's a natural. Mm. She's been looking at constellations and nebulae her whole life. And I think something about that synthesized in her brain, went straight to her brush, and turned out to be a really amazing project. The focal part of this mural was inspired by... Dun, 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 dun. The Orion Nebula. The Orion Nebula, mm -hmm. also known as Messier 42. So because of this, I think it's pretty clear my gold star is going to be M42 for inspiring my favorite project in a long, <laughs> long, long, long time, Space Jim. Mm. But what is M42 exactly? Well, it's a diffused nebula located just below the sword of Orion's belt. It has an apparent magnitude of 4.0, making a bright nebula and one that you could see unaided. Within this nebula is a beautiful young open star cluster known as Trapezium Cluster, which may or may not contain an intermediate mass black hole. It's really got it all. And 42, it's got it all, truly. Plus, kind of looks like a fairy godmother from Cinderella. There's really no contest. M42, this is my favorite nebula, probably in the whole night sky. Mm. Is responsible for Space Gym, which is something that brings a smile to my face every time I come and visit you and get to see it. So as a tribute to that wonderful project and truly diverse nebula, M42, you win Gold Star of the Month. It's a downright enchanting pick. I, I support it fully.
Thank you for joining us today as we explored the cosmic background of the constellation Orion. Next week, we'll be retelling and reconstellationing the myths of this constellation. This has been Kit. And Jordan. Sisters, lovers of stars and stories. And we'll see you next time. On Starry Time. <laughs>